You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Listen, people, 
Listening to African Perspectives, where we review the issues of our day from an African worldview and African centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters. In the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe, which simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God for all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Tymeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured a libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. 
You say, Ashe? We pour this libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe, civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So we poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe? We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We pour this libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We pour this libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we pour this libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We pour this libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We pour this libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. And I am your host, Baba Oshi Hotep family. Hope everything is well for you today. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you had a chance to do all the things you want to do, should do, must do, can do, and will do. Hoping, too, that the weather was accommodating for you to do it. But, of course, if it was not and it had to get done, it must be done, you will get it done. So get it done. Keep getting it done, family. That's the only way we'll progress. Only. 
Let's keep getting it done. This is African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, or 8 to 10 Pacific, or any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, you can go to the archives at timeforanawakening.com. At the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that. The drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. Of course, you can use a shortcut, whatever search engine that you might use, Google, Firefox, AOL, whatever. Put babaoshi.net into the search engine and click on that. And there will, once again, be programs that are data entitled babaoshi.net, B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I.net. Other programming that we have here on Time for an Awakening Media. This program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And all times are going to give our Eastern times. On Tuesdays, Black Reality Think Tank would host Brother Alfonso Watkins. Brother Alfonso Watkins in honor of Dr. William Rogers. On Thursdays, I believe I heard... Um, Brother Elliot mentioned this on Thursdays from 7 to 8. Mississippi on the move. The Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move. I'm going to try to check in on that when it's 7 from 7 p.m. to 8 and see if that is the case. Hope it is. Friday, of course, if it's 8 p.m. Friday, it's time for an awakening. That's right with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Fridays from 8 p.m. Saturday from 7 to 9, the Sankofa Elders Council on Saturday from 7 to 9. And then on Sunday at 7 p.m. once again, it's time for an awakening where Brother Elliot and Brother Richard and the number to call is 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. We buy black. We buy black. The largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses is webuyblack.com. Get everything. And I do mean everything you need from black-owned, American African-owned businesses. We buy black family. Africa for the Africans. Brother Bomani Tahimba, who has taken our people to many trips, is going to Senegal and Gambia at the end of the month, March 30th to April 9th. March 30th to April 9th to Senegal and Gambia. May 24th to June 5th, Ghana. July 20th to the 30th, Rwanda. November 16th through the 27th, Tanzania. December 24th to January 4th, 2024, Azinia. March 29th to April 9th, Liberia. July 11th to July 23rd, Ghana. December 2nd, no, excuse me, November 21st to December 2nd, 2024, Kemet. I'm going to tell you that Kemet trip if 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 you're going to go with Brother Bomani, it's the trip to go to Kemet on because you'll get an African perspective. You won't get you won't get uh, uh, the Egyptians, the people trained by Doctor Awas, that asshole. No, you'll get the brothers and sisters will give you a better perspective. You know, just like if you were going with. 
you know, Ashwa Kwesi or Naeem Akbar and um, Wade Nobles when they used to do trips and others that have done trips. Renoko Rashidi, my good brother, my dear brother, my dear brother Renoko, when he did trips. In fact, that's when he made his transition doing a trip to Ikemet. So there it is, family. Africa for the Africans. If you want to see videos of previous tours, videos, you want to, you want to go to youtube.com forward slash Bomani. If you want to see pictures, go to facebook.com forward slash Bomani. Or YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash Bomani 2007. Let me be correct. All right, family. <laughs> Habashah. Habashah incorporated.org. Brothers and sisters, Habashah stands for helping Africa by establishing schools at home and abroad. And, of course, the Kashi Project is happening. It, it, it uh, made its um, debut back in October. The buildings are up. It is, it is happening in Africa. I don't, I'm going to try to see if there's a, some kind of video on it. I'll check that out because the Kashi Project needs to happen. Also, too, they have the programs that they have here at home, particularly here in Atlanta, which is Habashot Works, Black to Our Roots. Sustainable Seeds, Golden Growers, and Urban Green Jobs right here. Habashah, Incorporated.org. Ledge, Land for the Environmental Development of Group Economics. The Ledge Group, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. They have 12 projects in six countries and over 170 employing over 260 members. They deal in the four areas where human existence has to happen if we are to survive. Food, water, clothing, and shelter. Brothers and sisters, become a member of the Ledge Group. Abibiatumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Abibiatumi.com. Of course, they have their uh, power conference, the first, Abibiatumi's first black power conference is this year. It's July 7th through the 9th in Ghana. And uh, that's going to be something in Ghana. And of course, uh, Bibi Atumi also has programs ongoing. Go to the website, be patient because sometimes it needs to refresh because it's coming out of Ghana, family. It's coming out of Ghana. You know, but they have connection and people organizations and has, you know, uh, communications and uh, uh, excuse me, <laughs> and social education. And uh, you can meet a Bibi Atumi members and it has the pictures of those revolutionaries. Discover how Bibi Atumi can help you reach your destination. You know, Bibi Atumi, uh, uh, repatriate to Ghana. A Bibi Afodihe, a Bibi Hodihe, and Sankofa Journeys. All kind of good stuff. I'm telling you, man. Bibi Atumi.com. Smile Pharmacy. S M A I F A R M A C Y. Smile Pharmacy. Contact Brother Jabril at 770-765-7751. He can put a program together for you that you can get off those serious drugs, you know, those prescription drugs, those opioids and all that other stuff and be more holistic. And maybe that's what we need, you know. So Smile Pharmacy. If you want to give him an email, drop him an email at smilepharmacy at gmail.com. S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y at gmail.com. 
the Moses West Foundation family, the MosesWestFoundation.org. Go to the MosesWestFoundation.org. See what this brother is doing to help humanity and what he'll be doing to help Africa. You know, just last week, I've seen a number of pieces on Ghana having problems with water. You know, once again, the real issue with water is access. There is water all around us. There's water all in the atmosphere. And this brother has found a way to extract the water. And in even environments that are contaminated, such as Ohio, he could put the machine in, it comes into the machine, it only takes the H2O molecule. It only takes that. All the other ones are kicked to the curb. It takes the H2O molecule and it goes through a filterization process, a purification process, and open the tap, out comes clean, drinkable, usable H2O. That's right. That's right, family. Yeah. Without us, without us, Healthy Market and Juice Bar, located in the West End here in the Atlanta area on Ralph Dibbert Abernathy, Right across the street from Soul Vegetarian Restaurant, up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna, where Daughters has delicious smooth fruit, fruit smoothies, <laughs> all kinds of food. And on weekends, Saturday and Sunday, have a vegan dishes that they have for sale. And, of course, they have health, um, all kinds of uh, organic and um, spices and so forth. Oh, man, just check it out. Odada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar. Mama Nia at the Bedu Bookstore. She has a, a brother who has a book signing coming up. Uh, and I'm, I missed that. The brother has a book signing at, at the Medu Bookstore. I think it's Thursday. A, a doctor who has a book coming out on health at the Medu Bookstore this Thursday, 4.30 to 6.30 Thursday evening. That's the kind of things that Mama Nia loves to do is present information to our community. The Medu Bookstore at the Greenbrier Mall, 404-346-3263, 404-346-3263. The Medu Bookstore, the Greenbrier Mall. The Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar, located in Lithonia, that is east of Atlanta, off I-20, take I-20 going east. Exit number 74, make a left and go down about a mile or so. And on the left will be the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar with my good brother, Kazemdi Ajamu. Want to give him a call? Do so at 770-305-6373. 770-305-6373. There's lighting the black dot. Jump back in your ride, head back to I-20, and then go east again. The next exit, exit, exit 75, Turner Hill Road. Make that right. Three lights, make another right, and on the left will be the new Black Wall Street Market. The new Black Wall Street Market. Us lifting us. Us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people in the spirit of Ujamaa. Us lifting us, brothers and sisters. The conference was this past weekend. A lot of good information. A lot of good things happening with us lifting us. And I'm going to get Baba Kima and uh, some others to come on the radio periodically. Because us lifting us, if, we, if we're talking about, you know, 
African sovereignty, the economic arm is us lifting us because it is a holistic approach. It is a socialist approach. It is a collective approach to dealing with our finances, pulling our monies together. It has worked other places, you know, but it's not here because here, this is capitalism. This ain't no damn socialist. You hear the word socialist, mess. Ooh, that's ugly. That's scary. You know? They didn't want to talk about that. You know, we don't get no. We don't have no discussion about that because here, under a capitalist system, under this capitalist system, you as an individual can do well. Maybe your people won't. Maybe your family won't. But you will. <laughs> and won't you feel good about that, right? Yeah, sure you will. Because you know why. Because here, individualism, materialism, greed, and violence is what is promoted, is what is perpetuated. But through us lifting us, we're talking about being collective. We're talking about being holistic. We're talking about pulling monies together. We support ourselves. Us lifting us to economic development, cooperative for our people every Thursday on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com, every Thursday from 9 to 10. Give them a call if you want to uh, listen or have a question or comment and concern at 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us lifting us every Thursday night. Homeland Village. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop, not open on Mondays, but from Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Macon, Georgia. Brother Abija, give him a call at 478-256-1166, 478-256-1166. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop in Macon. Sun Got Essential, one-stop natural shop located at 4140 Jonesboro Road in Forest Park, Georgia. Inside the International Discount Mall at Booth 225. Brothers and sisters, give my sister Shelly Amonset a call at 404-434-7963-404-434-7963. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. Sanjay Dash Haiti. Sister Gabrielle Aurelia has been doing outstanding work in the northeastern portion of the island of Haiti. And once again, as I say all the time, they rely on the goodness of us, our people. They don't have safety nets. These young brothers and sisters in the northeastern portion of Haiti are being supported by us and themselves. The educational, go to, go online to Sanjay, S-O-N-J-E dash Haiti, A-Y-I-T-I org and see for yourself what they're doing it is beautiful no doubt about it so Baba Baruti and Mama Yah they have uh, the quarterlies coming up I'll announce those and but of course you know the Akaban Institute needs your support what Baba Baruti and Mama Yah are doing all the time to raise our warriors you can use PayPal at YahBaruti at Yahoo. You can use Cash App, dollar sign YahMBaruti, and make your donations one time, monthly, whatever you want. Whatever the amount is always and greatly appreciated. Akaban House. Akaban House is the AkabanHouse.com where you get the books that Baba, and he's in the, in the process of another book coming out. So 
brother, Bob Rudy, I tell you, man, he's prolific. He is prolific. You know, the Inya, the Inya system of daily revolutionary thought. March 11. Our work has only begun. Our culture must strike the blow if they would be free. If we are to be free, our culture, our, I don't use the word race, family. There's no such thing as race. Cultures. Okay? So, our culture must strike the blow if we are to be free. Ida B. Wells, a warrior a real warrior princess, a real warrior queen, Ida B. Wells, Barnett. We are at war and have been at war with Europeans and every other aggressor against our children and ourselves, ancestors and the spirit of over 4,000 years. And since the battle is still raging, we must define and defend our children by preparing them to fight with the will and commitment of those Africans who entered the battlefield to engage our enemies from the start. War is waged on every institutional front. We battle our enemies spiritually, intellectually, economically, politically, and in the home. No institution has a monopoly on the battlefield for the sanity and the physical safety of our people. Knowing this and knowing that out of misdirected thought, in fear of retaliation, we have consistently placed every institution before that of a military. We need to consider the military's role in our liberation. We will not be liberated without it. The military side of our relationship with others who have standing armies, which they readily use in maneuvers against us, should never be subjugated to a drive to attain peace at any cost. We must build our armies and prepare our children to man them. We must prepare them not for the slave mentality that fears death for any reason, but for the liberated mentality, which willingly sacrifices its physical existence to ensure the geopolitical, economic, and cultural solvency of the seventh generation after them. A powerful and dedicated military is a necessary institution and instrument to this end. Affirm, I am preparing our children for the front lines. Affirm, I am preparing our children for the front lines. This March 12th. The basic difference between a socialist society and a capitalist society does not lie in their methods of producing wealth, but in the way that wealth is distributed. The Honorable Julius Nereri, President of Tanzania. Pan-African nationalist socialism is the only political philosophy that can bring us safety, bring us safely back home. Pan-African, of course, means the inclusion of all African people globally in an effort and benefit. No matter how diverse or tainted our blood may be, we are one family forming one nation. I repeat, no matter how diverse or tainted our blood may be, we are one family forming our nation. So if you have some Caucasian in you, 
but you identify as African, if you identify as African, then we're brothers. We're brothers. And we are to form one nation. Nationalism speaks to the political character of African people and turns our attention toward the motherland as the natural home of our political core. Nationalism also centers us in the land question, directing our thoughts toward the need for a stable, protected, identifiable geographical place where we have our most ancient and profound roots. Socialism is descriptive of the nature of our interaction with each other, economic and otherwise. It makes the needs of individual people, their families, and the surrounding communities the social priority. A deep sense of honor and obligation rule this way of social relationships. And, of course, this deeply personal priority goes all the way up to the national level, but never loses its humanistic simplicity as we shift our focus from micro to micro levels. From micro to macro levels. Affirm my wealth is my community. Affirm my wealth is my community. That's why us lifting us is a necessity. That's why we should all join us lifting us. There's some good men and women, honorable, trustworthy men and women. They just don't need you to be a member, but they also need your participation. Us lifting us. Ulu. March 13th. What do I care about the death in the cause of redemptive and redemption of Africa? What do I care about death in the cause of the redemption of Africa? I would die anywhere in the cause of liberty. A real man dies but once. A coward dies a thousand times before his real death. I say the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey. There's no doubt that we are witnessing the fall of Western Empire. The question is whether or not we are really ready or not we are ready. (laughs) Are we really prepared? Are we waiting for anarchy to pave the way by fractionalizing Europeans from the inside and then begin to consider our options with incompletely re-Africanized minds? Or are we doing self-liberation self-liberating work while they destroy themselves. I hope that's the latter. Those tireless, brave warriors urging us toward spiritual, psychological, physical, and mental preparedness must be our dominant voice. The option of liberation must be made available to the ears of every awakening African. When voices rise from our African center, there should be a movement in the direction of those voices to secure and protect them. Every effort must be made to ensure that they are not silenced by external or externally governed internal forces. We know our enemies. We know their methods for suppressing and silencing those who courageously guide our righteous rage through their words and actions. Our children are afraid to be Africans because they have read of and witnessed those murders. This can no longer be. This is, this can no longer be family. 
affirm I am willing to die in the cause of our liberation. I say, affirm I am willing to die in the cause of our liberation. Brothers and sisters, the Inya Sassim of daily revolutionary thought. I say, you know, what's deep about the Inya Sassim is always, uh, you know, that when I read it, it always um, prepares me, you know, it always prepares me to, uh, uh, and and I tell you, um, let me find this right quick because I want to thank a brother, and good morning, brother Ted, brother Ted Lusk. Good good morning, brother. How are you? I am doing so well, man. I want to thank you so much for sending me that, man. You know it. Have you ever heard me talk about that? Not, you mentioned it um, one time some time ago, um, but and it was uh, fairly recently, maybe at the latter part of last year. But I um, something stirred, spurred me this weekend. It really did, uh, Brother O.G., and, and I want to I know you still have your, your monologue you have to do to open up the program, but I I had asked myself three basic questions this weekend, which I basically do all the time. Those three basic questions are, one, who am I? I'm literally looking at myself in the mirror and asking myself that question, who am I? I say. And mm-hmm. the reflection in that mirror, I ask, who are you? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then... Thirdly, I ask, who are we together? So there are three basic questions that I asked, and I really dove deep into oh, myself, man. right? Yes, and and to ask to ask those three questions, I had to, it, it just kind of brought me in different directions, right? And I remember you had mentioned about the uh, bridge choir thing at one time, mm-hmm. and I said, you know something? Let me look into this a little bit more. And see, it also goes to show that we don't know everything. We really don't. Yeah. And when I dove into that viaduct and listened to, as a matter of fact, I listened to Janine Williams. Uh, she was she would be like the Lestervelt Middleton or the <laughs> Tom Brown yeah. uh, uh, program. And, and I'm like, man, I was blown away this weekend. I really was. In that, my goodness gracious alive, it's not just a Selma, Alabama thing. It's no. not just Durham, or it's not. And I guess also too, I was thinking about Dr. Rogers and all of this as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, it just the energy has just led me to just uh, blow up my my laptop and just go all points in between. And um, the kind and type of energy that that program, um, the uh, Black Nouveau program mm-hmm. that right. uh, Sister Williams was running, mm-hmm. um, and the one that I had seen was specifically about that bridge crossing. And so uh, there was some power. There's the sister, there was a sister um, who uh, who had a poem called Dark, Dark, um, oh, wait, ho- ho- well, anyway, I'll, I'll get to it, but but just the poetry that was being shared through okay. her program and to share the information regarding the, um, uh, the commandos, right? Right. And I'm yes, like, sir. my goodness. That's right. And the commandos, man. 
Yes, that, sir. that is something. That was something. So whenever you get a program out uh, or talk about that at all, um, you have a pair of listening ears here, man. I would just love to listen to the kinds of types of experiences that were brought on um, through that march from north to south over that bridge. Yes. The same kind of type of experiences that was happening here in Selma. Sure, sure. All over the country, and and, and uh, I, you know, I, that's part of my development as a brother, as a man, you know, and to witness that situation, to be a part of when we crossed the Sixteenth Street, when we crossed the Sixteenth Street Viaduct, and the evilness uh-huh. of the city of Milwaukee, even to this present day, still one of the most segregated cities in in, in America that we were met by. You know, eggs and bottles and bricks and so forth, you know. And of course, when uh, uh, Father James Grappi, who was a Catholic priest Caucasian, and it was interesting right. because he was a compassionate man. He left uh, the um, priesthood, you know, married uh-huh. and, and, and became a leader in, in for the transit workers, you know. But during that right. time, you know. He, he wanted to make sure that when we crossed the bridge that we were peaceful in this demonstration. But, of course, all hell broke loose. And uh, we started throwing, at least I know I did, man, hey, trying to hit me. And I was fortunate enough to get back. We were fortunate enough to get back across the bridge. And right. uh, the next march I took part in was the big march uh, down Wisconsin Avenue. And also, both of these things were about open housing, you know, they were right, open right. housing. Yeah, marches. fair housing. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. And um and I tell you, it was interesting. It was deep. And and um we eventually signed an open housing bill through the efforts of Father James no, excuse me, through the efforts of um uh Alderperson Val Phillips. She also became Secretary of State. She she was just a just a beautiful woman uh who did so uh-huh, many great uh-huh. things. And um and uh, the student school desegregation through uh, attorney Lloyd, Lloyd Barbie, and and so we had some, yeah, yeah, uh, we, we had some great things yeah. happening, you know, here in Milwaukee, you know, to, in in this struggle, we even had um, liberation schools because of the school issues. So I mean, you know, growing up at that, at that time, and that's what okay helped make me and form form my ideology as as as, as a man, and of course, it got deeper as I got older of course you learn more you listen more and and you take in more right. i was a teenager when we did that I was, a, I was a teenager when we crossed the 16th street viaduct and um got met by that violence and ugliness and mean-spiritedness of the south side people and there's still some areas of the south side and of course in milwaukee the city of milwaukee the city of Milwaukee is only in Milwaukee County. And in Milwaukee County, there are suburbs that are still 85, 90% Caucasian, if not more. Well, if not more, you know. And, and, and so um, most of us are in the southeastern portion of the state of Wisconsin, uh, in Milwaukee, uh, Racine, and then Kenosha, and a little further west to Beloit, Wisconsin, <coughs> excuse me, and the capital city of Madison, Wisconsin. But that's about it. Uh, that's about it. That's why, uh, you know, even though we might be about 45, 50% of the prison, prison population, we're less than 5% of the, of the population of the state of Wisconsin. 
then that's why Wisconsin is what it is. And that's why Milwaukee uh, is what it is, you know. Yes, and, yes. And, and so many people have said about Milwaukee and and some good people, man. Uh, one person you need to, to uh, read, and he's been a guest on the program, is Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson just had a health challenge, serious health challenge. He is bouncing back. I'm going to get him on the program again. But he has been a great story. He, um, there was a brother named James Cameron. Are you familiar with him? Yes, yes, yes. The Black Holocaust Museum. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Sir. And so uh, um, Reggie was a, one of the griots at the uh, one of the guys, one of the docents at the guides, uh-huh. docents at the uh, Holocaust Museum, particularly when Mr. Cameron was living and before it became virtual because of the pandemic. And now it's it's right. open. I'm not sure, but. Uh, he's bouncing back, and he's good to read the intercept, I think it is. Um, but check out Reggie Jackson. Good articles he presents, good information, and, and I'm going to get him on the program soon, man. He's a real good brother. I, I look forward to it. And, and Brother Oshi, uh, the sister was, uh, the name that I was trying to think of was uh, Samaya Preston, who had a poem on there called Dark Dreams. Mm. Um, that she had presented on the uh, Black Nouveau show, and, okay. and there was a brother, the brother by the name of Edward uh, Wingate, who gave uh, a piece called Vision. So okay. these were two powerful pieces that you know stood out. Okay, well, I'm gonna try to go and through that. I, I'm gonna yeah, try. To... And I, I did some homework, man. I did like what I said when I wrote my homework down. I definitely got into that and to read more about what was going on mm-hmm. um, throughout this country, right? Yeah. And yeah. so and so those three questions that I presented to you as I'm going through an introspection and a reflection on who Theodore Lush is, right? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so I just had to say, man, this is more, this is out here, right? To be read, to be studied, um, to be shared, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, that's what I thought about you, and I said, "Man, let me let you know that uh, I've done some homework." You sure have, dear point. brother. You sure have. When I saw that, when you sent that to me, man, you know, I was like, "Wow, thank you." I mean, you send me a lot of stuff that I appreciate, and I right, let you right, know right, that right, I do. Right. You really do, and, and I really appreciate that because it gives me a lot of good information for the program uh, to share with others. And uh, and and when you sent this to me, I was like, "Wow." <laughs> I said, "That's me. I lived that. <laughs> I was well, there." And, you know, and, and between and between ourselves, and also Brother Paul and and all the brothers who've been on um, on your program, best believe I, I know this is working hour time for me, right? Uh, even though I may not in, uh, get into deep conversations, but I'm listening. I'm I know you are. I'm learning. I, I and know I'm you learning. are, brother. And man, oh man, oh man! I tell you the truth. Yes, oh, I tell you the truth. I tell you. I'm, I'm glad that you do. I appreciate you, and I hope that you continue to listen and learn. And I hope to one day see you soon, man. We got, we got to be brave. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings Ashe, to you, my Ashe. friend. All right. Take care, dear brother. Peace to you. You too. I'll be All listening. All right. Man, brother Ted Lust, man, I tell you. And and, and, and I found out about Ted Lust through Dr. Rogers' program. You know, and then he found out about me through Dr. Rogers' program. You know, and he's been an avid listener for, for many years and and sends out good information. You know, just a good brother. And I just, you know, I was in Montgomery at the museum 
and and at the memorial, you know, there's two things in Montgomery, the museum and the memorial that you definitely need to go check out. You know, I know they had the Montgomery bus boycott and that information. I'm quite sure they have all that there, and they do. But you need to check out the museum and the memorial. Yeah. So so I, I look forward to traveling, maybe me and Kwaku, and maybe even Irv, my good brother Irv, Irv Lewis, man. Got to get him back on uh, as a co-host again real soon. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to do it after he comes back from Senegal and Gambia, his trip with uh, Africa for the Africans, you know. I'm going to, and so that was going to be good. So, family, I'm going to, um, you know, this is African Women's, well, this is Women's Month, and so I'm going to talk about today um, African Warrior Queens. African Warrior Queens, as some of you may have known. I, I think I've done this some a couple few years ago, um, you know, with Brother Home Team. It's a good brother, man. I love his presentations. And he has 10 of the African Warrior Queens. And there's a number of them. If you go to YouTube, of course, you could check all of them out. You know, but to African Warrior Queens, man, I tell you, you know, some of these sisters are just dynamic. And so I'm going to present those um, after the break because the presentation is 16 minutes. And I know I got 10 minutes. I just, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the break. And then after the break, we'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll deal with that. And then there'll be questions and comments or concerns that you may have, you know, as we deal with um, Women's Day, Women's Month. You know, I know for us, as African people, we've always honored women. It wasn't a deal about honoring ancestors and honoring elders and honoring our our compliments. Was, that's who we are. That's one. That's one thing that the Greeks didn't understand about who we are when they came down into commit into Kemet to study at our feet. They didn't understand how we could be such you know, dedicated compliments to each other from honoring women and men and women honoring men because back in Greece, they relegated women to a subservient position. In fact, turned women off because they became homosexual to such a degree, turned the women off that the women went to the island of Lesbo. And yet, <laughs> when the Syrians when the Syrians were trying to get out of Syria and they were, they were being welcomed in Europe because they are dark-skinned. They're not deeply melanated, you know. And so the, the Europeans who, whose population is older, which was also um, brought out by and, 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 and had a big impact by the uh, pandemic because when you're older, you have more health issues and so a lot of Europeans were dropping like flies literally you know but prior to that the Syrians coming in they were welcome particularly in Germany and Austria because they need workers they need helpers the population the Europeans population is rapidly declining the Europeans have been experiencing negative population growth for a few decades a few decades 
They talked about it a few decades ago, the decline of the West. Ben Wathenberg's book, uh, what's the name? Pat Buchanan, that asshole. You know, so they acknowledge, they understand it. But what they do, of course, is they co-opt other, you know, like they made Japanese voluntary Caucasians. And, and, and they'll do that to put a buffer between them and us. Our population is young. They want to kill us off, family. They want to kill us off. Our population is young. We are rapidly, continuingly developing. But isn't it deep and mysterious? I know, you know, hell no, it ain't this, it ain't mysterious. Ain't it deep that the fact that our population here in the United States is stagnant? When other, when our population in other places is constantly growing? Why? A number of factors. Here in the United States, our population, they say it's 13%. Okay, let's give it that 13%, 14, 15. Hell, you can even give it 20, don't mean a damn thing because we ain't running nothing anyway. But our population is not growing. It is younger, of course, than Caucasians, but because of homosexuality, because of brothers not wanting to deal with sisters because of drugs because of mass incarceration because some of these cats just ain't shit just being real they ain't about nothing they lazy so anyway because of those factors, our population is stagnant. It's not growing. When, when they talked about, when the demographers talked about that by the year 2050, which of course has been lowered to 2040, which is 17 years from now, definitely y'all truly may not be here, you know, may not be here, but hey, you will. And supposedly at that time, Caucasians will be a numeric minority. And it won't be us. It'll be Latinos, even when Asians. In fact, it may be that we may be the fourth group. Latinos, Caucasians, Asians, and us. Because we're not, we're not developing as we should. And you know what? I don't give a damn. Let's get the hell out of here anyway. Let us go home. Let us stop being in a place where we are not wanted, where it's been proven that we're not wanted. Let us go home. Let us go home and develop the continent of Africa to be a place where all African people can with, 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 with pride and dignity and honor can come to and I ain't saying that's going to be all great initially because you know it won't but eventually because of what we're, what we're capable of and what we're able to do and the fact that we have wealth we have wealth it ain't like we're going someplace and it's all you know 
we ain't got nothing and we, you know, damn, why do we come here? And now you're begging the cracker to come back. I want to come back. It is not going to be that. And right now, the mindset of Africans, the mindset of Africans in the diaspora is not right. Because we fail to listen to our scholars and our historians. We fail to listen to our ancestors. We fail. Let us stop that. Let us reverse that. Brothers and sisters, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, I'm going to play the piece on the warriors, the warrior queens. This is the international, or this is women's month. And we need to know, now granted, I love the warrior queens here. I love, I love Mary uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. But I love the quote that, the quote that I love most is, Never forget where you came from and always praise the bridges that carried you over. Never forget where you came from. Never forget who you are and praise those who helped you, who inspired you, who motivated and guided you. Never forget who you are. So many others. Ida B. Wells, I mentioned earlier, I read her from the Inya Sassim. Love Ida B. Well. She's a beautiful woman, strong woman. She challenged them. She knew that she had to get her ass out of Memphis because they were going to kill her. She went up to Chicago. In fact, you can go to Chicago today, you can, to Ida B. Wells' homes over there, uh, right down the street from uh, the White Sox Park on Pershing. You know? So many other sisters. Some sisters who, you know, they they weren't like Angela Davis. They weren't really revolutionaries, you know. Some were just good women. Some women just became entrepreneurs, like, you know. But I love the sisters here in the States. I love those warriors. I love those warriors. Harriet Tubman or... Armentia, Armentia Ross. I love them. I love their spirit, their tenacity. Brothers and sisters, we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to uh, play that piece on the Warriors, Warrior Queens. Yeah, Warrior Queens. Yeah, because, you know, It's these warrior queens, y'all. <laughs> it's these warrior queens that we must recognize and give love to. Because believe me, family, these sisters have stood by us. These sisters, where many of us had abandoned, you know. So, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on Time for an Awakening.com. And blacktalkradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. You stay with us. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. 
them ancient ways, man. Before we encounter them caves, man. Dominating with the chains and the whips. Got me feeling like I'm in the tails of the grip. <laughs> now I'm walking like Egyptians, got the nicest style when yeah, I slice yeah, it, take it back yeah. to Oros, Osiris and Isis, hey, hey, can't you see the lights? Hey, what's up? Knowledge of oneself is priceless, so yo bro, uh, tell me how you living, unlock the secrets behind racism, schisms, hey, and all the mechanisms, yo, can't break what's in my system, never, hey. or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. Take me back to my ancient ways. (laughs) Yeah, take me back. Brothers and sisters, we sometimes need to go back to go forward. You understand? 
We need to go back to go forward because our, our march is forward, you know. But we, sometimes we need to look back, just like the Sankofa bird, to go back and fetch it. That's, its movement is to forward, but it, its head reaches back to make sure that what we're doing, we're going forward in the right way, in the right direction. We're going to talk about some ancient um, some African queens in our history. Some of these women were really powerful in terms of their intellect, in terms of their spirit, in terms of their willingness to fight. You know, because these Caucasians took the fight to us and they've continued to do so. And some of us become so complacent we don't want to fight back we want to uh, somehow uh, appeal to them morally to you know so they can stop being who they are whether they are who they are we must be who we are so we're going to do this um, the African Queens I wanted to make a list of queens that I think we all should be aware of as Afro-descendant people. I'm hoping it can be a sort of model or standard when considering great African queens. Popular culture has a tendency to pick historical figures and promote them frequently through all available mediums, whether it be education or entertainment. And so, I want the queens on this list to inspire us and our children in a similar way. Home team here, and welcome back to another video of African history, culture, and worldview. By supporting this channel on Patreon, you're helping in the creation of these videos and supporting this content. If you'd like access to full courses and sources, or you simply want to show your support, you may do so by clicking the Patreon link in the description box below. There were many queens on the continent of Africa, some gaining more attention than others. However, when we talk about them in classrooms or social media, I'd like for us to have our own standard list of exceptional African queens, a list that we may point to as an example and be proud of. Oftentimes, when I hear about African queens, it's the same rulers being highlighted, and admittedly, I'm guilty of that myself. But it's not that repetition is a bad thing when it comes to our history. I just want to point to some other great queens that should roll off our tongue just as much. So today, I'll be speaking about 10 African queens, three of which may be new to some of you. So let's begin. I'll start with a queen from Senegal that we often don't hear much about. Queen Ndatayala was a queen of Wallow in 19th century Senegal. She played a crucial role during colonialism in her struggle against the French. The kingdom of Wallow was trying to maintain its assets against the French on St. Louis Island and against other African kingdoms. The French were reliant on the kingdom of Wallow to get goods into the island because the products had to pass through the queen's lands. The French asked the queen to stop the taxes and protested its very existence. She responded accordingly. We have wronged no one because the country belongs to us and we must govern it. It is we who guarantee the passage of livestock in our country. For this reason, 
we will take a tenth and will never accept otherwise. Queen Ndatayala stood her ground against the growing threat of the French and other Africans further north. As relations became sour, she pillaged in the French-held territories and war became inevitable. She refused to compensate the French upon their request and stop trade. She understood the temperature of the time and would not allow any deception or appeasement. After months of battle, the queen refused to surrender. Even after defeat, she still tried to rally the troops and fought bravely until the very end. She made it her mission to reject everything the French wanted to implement in her kingdom that she believed was not in the best interest of her people. And for this sacrifice, she should be remembered. Next, we have Mwana Mkisi. Queen Mwana Mkisi is of great importance to the Swahili community in Mombasa, Kenya. We don't know an exact date for her existence, but she is believed to have existed before the arrival of Islam in that region of East Africa. Queen Mwana is said to be the mother of the Thanashara Taifa, also known as the 12 Swahili tribes of Mombasa. She's an exceptional queen because she's considered by many to be the founder of Mombasa. According to oral accounts, the original name of Mombasa was called Kangawea, or Gangwa, and then Mvita. Mvita meaning place of war. This name exemplifies the history of Mombasa, which was constantly fought over. The oldest known written mention of Kangawea and the queen is from a poem by Mombasa's most famous Swahili poet named Bawana Muyaka, who lived during the 19th century. Bawana no doubt took from earlier oral sources. Here's what he has to say. Kangawea belongs to Mwana Mkisi. Mvita is the ancient city. Do not exceed its bounds, but tread respectfully therein. Cast down your head, and do not look straight with your eyes wide open. It is an abyss of deep gloom. Even those who are well informed comprehend it not. Queen Mwana Mkisi is exceptional because the local people consider her to be the founder of the first urban civilization in the region, this settlement being the center of power for the Thanashara Taifa. In many ways, insistence on remembering Queen Mwana Mkisi through oral and written transliteration symbolizes how the local people try to keep their identity despite the intrusion of foreign influences and the erasure of local tradition. I think if the Swahili people felt the need to remember her, we should remember her as well. Next, we have Queen Idia of the 16th century. Queen Idia was the mother of Oba Asigi of the Benin Empire. She was technically a queen mother, but she held considerable power and influence. Her exploits no doubt shaped the future of Benin. During her time, Benin was in a state of crisis and civil unrest. The Igala people attempted to take advantage of this, but eventually, Oba Asigi was able to control the situation by defeating them and his rivals of the Benin throne. Queen Idia is believed to have raised an army for her son to fight off the rival to the throne. She accomplished this and many other things. This success led Asigi to credit his mother for his victory, and so he created the title Eoba, or Queen Mother giving her significant political power, which in all honesty, she probably already possessed. He just made it official. Queen Mother Idia is an exceptional African queen because she very clearly was able to assess the situation around her and position herself and others to positions of power. 
That kind of political acumen is an invaluable resource and a great model for us today. Next, we have Ya Asantawa from the Kingdom of Ashanti in the 19th century, and like Queen Idia of Benin, she was also a queen mother. Ya Asantawa is well known in the diaspora for being the leading figure in the War of the Golden Stool against the British. Much of the literature on Ya Asantawa concerns itself with this war. Although we are not sure about every detail concerning her involvement, Ya Asantawa is acknowledged as the crowning patriotic figure who led the resistance. Her name is celebrated throughout the diaspora for her bravery. The British wanted to symbolically trample over the Ashanti by demanding the golden stool. Ya Asantawa's charge to protect the stool was heard, and ultimately, the goal of protecting the soul of the Ashanti in the form of the golden stool was successful. This symbolic victory came at a price as Ya Asantawa was exiled to Seychelles, but her memory has never been exiled from our minds. Next, we have Queen Amina of the Hausa people. Most of what is known about Queen Amina comes from Hausa oral tradition and the Kano Chronicle, a history of the Hausa state of Kano written in the 19th century. Recent investigations into the history of Queen Amina claim that she most probably lived in the 15th century or earlier. According to oral tradition, Queen Amina expanded the empire of Zaria in northern Nigeria, which included kingdoms such as the Nupe and Kororofa. She also extended her influence over Kano and Katsina. At this time, Zaria under Queen Amina conquered all the towns as far as Kwarafara and Nupe. Every town paid tribute to her. The Sarakin Nupe sent 40 eunuchs and 10,000 colas to her. She was the first to have eunuchs and colas in Hausaland. In other words, she's considered a conqueror queen among the greatest of West Africa. Some even credit her for constructing earthen walls around her cities. It was under her rule that the state of Zaria became the most powerful in all of Hausaland. Next, we have Queen Gudi of Ethiopia. Queen Gudi is known by several names such as Yodith, Judith, and Esato. She was an Ethiopian queen believed to have existed around 970 AD. According to the Encyclopedia of African History and Culture, very little is known about Queen Gudi beyond scattered references in ancient texts and oral history. Most believe that she was vehemently opposed to the monophysite beliefs of the Ethiopian Christian Church at the time and designed a plan to utterly destroy the Aksumite Empire in the 10th century. Her armies razed churches and destroyed the countryside. Some believe that she was an Algol-speaking woman from the southwest region, and also, some believe that she alone ushered in the new Zagwe dynasty as her exploits left Aksum weak. Following the destruction of Aksum, Queen Gudi is said to have maintained a 40-year rule over a region historians believe may actually have been Aksum. Islamic texts have reported how, after claiming the throne, her co-ruler, known only by the title of Habani, was forced into exile in Shoah, where he died in 970 AD. Other sources that mention the queen include a letter sent by the last Aksumite king to church officials in Alexandria, Egypt, that pleaded in vain for their intercession. Honestly, Queen Gudi is an enigma because we know so little about her, but her impact on Ethiopian history is huge. 
The fact that one queen could have so much influence and power to change the course of an ancient Ethiopian empire is nothing short of exceptional. Our next African ruler is Queen Nzinga of Angola. Queen Nzinga was an African queen of the 17th century during a time when the Portuguese were trying to gain control of the region of Angola. Queen Nzinga is remembered as a great diplomat and warrior. During her reign, the Portuguese could not get a stronghold over the region, and it is this reason why Queen Nzinga should always be remembered. Nzinga brilliantly played on African and European politics to position herself in power. She formed alliances with the Dutch to counter Portuguese influence, and she installed herself as singular regent on the thrones of Ndongo and Matamba. Portuguese alliance with other Africans in the region posed serious problems for Queen Nzinga, but ultimately they were unable to meet their objectives as long as she lived. How she was able to survive the threats of African and European powers was quite impressive, serving as a model example for the diaspora today. Because of her accomplishments, a statue of her stands tall in Angola today. Next, we have Queen Tia of Ancient Egypt. Queen Tia was the wife of Amenhotep III in the 14th century BC. Even though she did not reign exclusively or independently, she makes my list because she did hold considerable power during her husband's reign. Queen Tia is celebrated for her intelligence and work ethic. She was well aware of the socio-political needs of Egypt and she held administrative functions to aid Amenhotep III in his rule. Queen Tia sometimes instructed imperial affairs and directed royal officials. The fact that she was mentioned by foreign rulers in correspondence says a lot about her agency in Africa and abroad. As an honorable mention, I wanted to acknowledge Hatshepsut of Egypt. Hatshepsut is an interesting case because technically, during the latter end of her rule, she wasn't acknowledged as a queen, but a king or pharaoh. Ultimately, it just depends on how you would like to define things, but she promoted herself more as a pharaoh and had a great legacy. Some argue that she was one of the greatest rulers in Egyptian history, male or female. Next, we have a little-known queen from West Africa named Queen Yanu. Queen Yanu was said to have existed during the time of Sunni Ali in the 15th century. Sunni Ali was arguably the greatest conqueror king of West Africa, and not many people know he had a brief skirmish with a ruler known as Yanu. Queen Yanu is said to have established herself in the mountains between Hambori and Danaka in resistance to the great Sunni Ali. The great Songhai ruler forced her to flight as he was able to capture her niece named Jata. After Sunni Ali died, Yanu is said to have re-emerged as a great ruler. The queen was known to have been a capable leader and had a dedicated group of followers. Yanu's political and military prowess were on full display when the Barakoi Manza Musa asked for her help in putting down a revolt led by one Mindy Jam, an iron worker. At the head of some 50 cavalry, Yanu led the charge, defeating and killing Mindy Jam, after which she established the town of Buyo on choice land in Bara province, the condition for her assistance. Queen Yanu is perhaps the most unknown and forgotten queen in all of African history. She faced a great force in Sunni Ali, and with a little courage, persistence, and perhaps some luck, 
She outlasted the great conqueror, becoming a sort of legendary figure in West African history. And last but not least, the greatest queen in African history, in my opinion, is Queen Amanorinus. If you've been watching my channel for a while, you know I take every opportunity I can to speak about her. Rome's interaction with the world through conquest or invasion is a popular topic, and Cleopatra's interaction with Rome is also a topic of interest. However, we neglect one of the most significant moments in African history when we fail to mention Queen Amanorinus and her interaction with Rome. Around 27 BC, Queen Amanorinus had a brief military skirmish in which she invaded Roman Egypt. The head of a statue in the form of Augustus was taken off by her in contempt of this bitter encounter. Rome sought to counter the Kushite queen, but finding difficulty navigating Nubian terrain, the Romans were stymied and did not engage further. Thus, a final battle never actually occurred in which Amanorinus may have been expecting and prepared for. She kept record of everything in Meroitic script, but unfortunately, we can't fully decipher it. But we do know she ended up securing a very favorable treaty with Rome, which granted the queen all her desires. There has been no other monarch in Africa that took on such a great threat in the ancient world, going on to successfully safeguard the integrity of their borders like Queen Amanorinus of Kush. And this is what makes her an exceptional African queen. Well, I'm all out, guys. If you like these videos and want to help in its continued production, consider supporting the home team on Patreon.com. The link is in the description box below. Know thyself. Remember your ancestors. Peace. The good brother loved the home team, man. He's a good brother, man. I would love to, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I would love to get him on the program. That would be great. You know, so I can get in contact with him. He's a good brother. He's a very good man. Home team. Yeah. So go to YouTube. And oh, everything is on YouTube, man. That you, you know, just go to YouTube. <laughs> and of course, everything that you see on YouTube, also be aware. Some may be factual, some may be not. But, um, depends upon what we're going to use it for you know and everything should be used for what the liberation of our people dr clark told us that everything should be about the liberation of our people education economics uh, politics whatever the liberation the self-determination and the sovereignty for african people you know yeah that's what needs to happen. So, family, uh, give us a call at 215. we got a, almost a half hour of programming to go, a little, a little over. So is there something you want to talk about this Monday, something that's, that, uh, that's been happening? Maybe you want to talk about some other African queens, some local ones here in Atlanta, you know, or some ones in, in the nation. <laughs> Because I, I, I'm down with sisters. I love African sisters who have rose to the occasion to do things to help our people. Some of them, of course, they did it out of necessity. You know, maybe the brothers didn't want to act. Didn't want to go ahead and 
and uh, engage and the sisters had to had to do it remember that one incident where the men were just so weak that, and, and they wanted to stop him um, and more and so <laughs> they were naked if any of you know this story give me a call give us a call at 215-490-9832 they presented themselves naked and told the men that until this war is over there will be no intercourse there will be no mating until this war is over <laughs> and of course the war was over <laughs> they, the, 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 the men went into negotiation and the war was over <laughs> yeah the power and and so, like I said, we as Africans, we've always honored our women. As you can see by those sisters we just played on the home team, there was always some respect and honor of women. That's why in ancient Kemet, as I stated earlier, when the Greeks came to study at our feet, that's one thing that they couldn't understand the position and the esteem that we held for our women because they didn't you know they didn't so uh, if there's anything on your mind anything you want to talk about let's do it um, disappointment in the Oscar situation last night I didn't see it I didn't see the Oscars you know um, that uh, sister didn't win for Wakanda, and and really sometimes you 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 look at not just for that the body of her work. You know, she has uh, she has been phenomenal. She has really had she really has she has been phenomenal. And the work that she has been able to do over the, the many years, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find something, but the uh, oh, maybe I maybe I can. Excuse me. Yeah, Angela Bassett has been phenomenal. Her husband, Courtney Vance, they've been great together. I haven't seen too many things of them together, though. Have you? I, I can't recall. I know he's a good actor, and she's a good actress. You know? Yeah. So, trying to figure out... Um, I'm not too fond of the awards programs. I'm, I may look at them, you know. Going, you know, if I'm with somebody, I'm looking at them, and I'll, I may do that. Who knows? But um, I know we. 
and that we really protested was about four or five years ago, Oscar so white. And 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 the reality is it's theirs. That to me, you know, now I'm not fond of the NAACP image awards either. You know, knowing the NAACP and of course the big award to be given out annually is the Spengard Medal. Joel Spengard, who was a was an enemy of our people actually. He was an informant. And and to me, once you know something and is and is verified, you drop them like a bad habit because they were instrumental to you of of us not being affected. You know? So I don't know, man. You know, to me, um oh we got a caller. Yes, we do. Oh, brother Paul, how you doing, brother Paul? Good afternoon, good morning, Baba Ochi. How are you? I'm well, thank you, man. You have a good weekend. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was uh, it was my uh, uh, Earth Day on Sunday, so therefore, is that uh, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> another trip around the sun. Right another on. Another trip around. The sun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I. I must be getting older because uh, uh, all, all I really wanted to do is stay in and sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, man, as hard as you work for our people, all that you do, it was your birthday. It was your, you know, your your big day. If that's what you wanted to do and you felt compelled to do it and you did it, it was all good, brother. You deserve it. Yeah, but it, it worries me because I get so much pleasure out of just relaxing and yeah <laughs> it, it becomes like it, it's so beautiful it's uh, and yes, i worry sir. you know it's like yeah <laughs> i have my daughters uh, they're complaining uh-huh. that I, I i don't i'm not making a fuss and all this sort of nonsense and um <laughs> you know they don't just get it they don't get it you know what right I mean? you know my mind is active 24 7 365 so anytime i get a break it's like paradise for me yeah and you deserve it because you I mean you're not lazy. You work hard. That's evident. You know, that's, that's, that's for sure. That's evident. You work hard, man. So you, you deserve that brother. Believe me, you do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's give thanks for life. Yeah. But, but, um, you know, you, you talk it's women's month and absolutely on point. And you raised some issues earlier on about, um, you know, uh, birth rate being stagnant in America. Yeah, uh, especially African Americans. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and do you know what? I've often looked at these facts because I remember uh, I spent some time in Canada. My mom's got two brothers in Canada, and my mm-hmm. dad had a brother who's passed away now. So we got some family in Canada, and um, I remember reading an article in Canada. I don't know if it's the same position now because I haven't looked into it, but they were saying at that time when I was there that um, the women outnumber the men there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, one thing I found interesting is some of the um, privileges, or I should, it's not, privilege is not the right word, but some of the incentives they give to women, like um, in terms of uh, uh, mortgages, um, they get a, a, a better rate, all sorts of stuff they give to women um, because a lot of them are going to end up on their own. Mm. And okay. it, it was an, it was a very, very interesting article, you know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. were talking about polygamy and why and the reasons why they feel um polygamy might ne- might ne- be necessary yeah. Of the short, yeah yeah 
I, that's you why, know, yeah, that's why in some societies, they, they, you know, they they um, encourage it because there are there are always more females than males in species because it is females yeah. that bring it forth. And so, if you had more, just like what happened in China, you know, they killed all the girls, all the female babies. So now you have some areas in China where there's a whole bunch of men. Whole bunch. That's why some of the men were happy to leave China and go to Africa. And some of those men even married African women, let alone had relationships with African women. The marriage part was also to secure their position on the continent, which I hate, you know. But the fact is, there's always more females than males in species. And 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 because for for the simple fact for procreation, you know, and so uh, to me, um, if that is the case, and it is, then you sh- then then there should be a difference between the the marriage concept of Europeans because that's where it comes from to say that just one man and one woman that y'all make that commitment and be that that's it. Now, granted, there's going to be a relationship where a man and a woman come together and and they live the rest of their lives out. But once you understand this though, Brother Paul, there have been some of those relationships. The real deal was the woman acquiesced to the man. The woman just, okay, I don't like his ass. You know, his dirty, nasty drawers I gotta wash, all the other stuff I gotta clean up for him and cook for him, you know. But for that, I get the security, so you know, there that is. But then, of course, there's those uh, like the Mormons were polygamous. You know, obviously it's against the law here in the United States. But some of them still uh, have those polygamy families where one man has, you know, or five wives. I was reading about a brother in Africa. He's about my well, he's about 60 some years old, but he had like 16 wives and a Ninety children and a hundred some grandchildren, man. You know, <laughs> so and it's always been. And in Islam, Islam, it is it is uh, uh, okay to have more than one wife. And the idea is that you can have as many wives as you can afford. You know, so you're not just having wives and, and and leaving them destitute or leaving them with a child or two and leaving them destitute. If you can afford them, you can have them. But if you can't, you can't. You know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and yeah, absolutely. I, I I absolutely agree with the points you've raised. And just to take it a little step further, I mean, imagine. I mean, my 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 mum's mum, believe it or not, she had twelve. My mum is one of twelve children. Oh wow! Okay. Her mother was a single child, so she probably was lovely, but she was a single child. She had twelve twelve children. Mm-hmm. The point I'm trying to and 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 my, and my granddad, which is was her husband. Um, I mean, in all, if I count his children, he had 14 children. His brother had 16 children. His wow. other brother had, yeah. All this, all this had, in, in, his, uh, in, in, in Jamaica? No, no. He, well, he had, if, if um, my mum my and her two sisters were born in Jamaica and they came here young. Okay, okay? to the um, UK? Yeah, they came to the UK when they were young. And okay. my, dad, my granddad's brother had children in Jamaica. Some of them stayed in Jamaica. And some of them came um, here, 
But my mum was actually born in Jamaica and she came in when she was young. So that's the general thing. Like, okay. um, people who they had children in Jamaica, some they left in Jamaica for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And um, they came later. Some stayed in Jamaica and grew up in Jamaica. And some were born in Jamaica, like my mum, and came here when they were young. But um, they they had large families. Like, if I look at my granddad, I mean, on, on my dad's side, my, my his, his mum, they, they had three children, mm-hmm. which is probably standard. But... My mom's side, they had very large families. I mean, I think my my um, granddad's brother, there's about 80 grandchildren about the place. And there's at least 30 in my family grandchildren and getting bigger. But the point I'm trying to make is this, yeah. This is the point. Um, we, we're in the industrialized cities, women tend to have less children um, because of uh, what I, from what I've read. In terms of you know, because they seek well, they seek careers, don't they? They seek um, to be educated, and the more educated they are, usually the less children they're going to have. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Time they take for education, take out for mm-hmm. education, take out for their careers. By the time they look around, the age right, they're right. at, right, they their childbearing children. years are over, so so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that is a fact. If in 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 in, mm-hmm. in rural areas, and that's now starting to spread out to. Um, other areas in terms of educate, educating and careers, etc., etc., etc. And one thing that has always troubled me when I look at the Asians. I mean, in this country, yeah, the year um, it's from the seventies. There, there are places mm-hmm. in this country where, like schools, for instance, Baba Ochi, where Asians, like South Asians, are predominant. Like you'll see a school, and you will not see one black child or one white child. Ninety-nine point nine percent of them children will be Asian. Yes, right? yes. And I've seen that grow. I've mm-hmm. seen how that's come about. Because you've got, for, for, I was born in the 70s, yeah? So mm-hmm. therefore, um, my parents came from abroad. Most of the people I grew up with, parents came from abroad. The only people who mm-hmm. didn't were the people, white people who were here. Or is there. But what I'm saying is the Asians now, what they, they used, because they, they were arranged marriage, weren't they? So therefore... Mm-hmm. What they did was that they brought people in from their countries. This is a strategy which worked for them, and it worked. Anyone they married, whether it's a man or female, they took from their country, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that. I've always thought about that, yeah, because in actual fact, it worked for them. Because we're like in India, uh, you, it was so-called overpopulated, but it was, a, it was a large growth. They took those people and married them and mm-hmm. created families here. And they have grown extradentially. They mm-hmm. have grown. Like I say, there are areas which they have totally overrun, totally in a short period of time. Houses, businesses, schools, mm-hmm. taken yeah. over totally. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's why they can have a, a, a prime minister. At, look, that is it. This is what I'm trying to say to you. Mm-hmm. And the point I'm trying to make is observing that. They had a strategy, uh, um, mm-hmm. Baba Ochi, mm-hmm. point I'm making. And often when I hear the commentary and the talk and the debates and the deliberations, I don't really hear any strategies that we have. You know, there's a lot of xenophobia. I have to be honest. When I listen to American radio, there's a, uh, which, is, which is a little surprising to me, but not so surprising. There is a, 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 a underlying xenophobia. Like, um, and I have to be honest, like the African-American now is like, um, some, not all, is like, we have to protect the African-American and, you know, rule out the Caribbean and rule out those from Africa. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
the yeah. problem with that is, That's you know, whatever. The, I, yeah. I'm not knocking anybody's view. They they can feel what they want to feel because you know I can't live their lives. But what is the problem with that that type of xenophobia? Is that doesn't exist among the Europeans? The Europeans mm-hmm. don't have that type of xenophobia that the African Americans have. So they are going to always be at the advantage because they will take people from Europe, whether it be German, Polish, English, and they will see them as their own. Exactly. The reason why they do that. Because it's strategic. Yes, they have a is. strategy. Yes, it is. Huh? It's just like so. Look, my problem is like, why are we? Why are we so dumbed down? Why are we lacking strategy? Why do we always rely on the rely on the jerk reaction, react, and just follow just follow what we see and mm-hmm. not recognize that you have to have a damn strategy? Because if you don't have a strategy, you can't just be all emotional. Oh, he's gonna get better job than me. Oh, he's gonna come and take over. He has to be. You have to have a strategy. Well, see, that's because like that's like that's, that's like what's happening in South Africa. Here you have the South Africans. Here you have the South Africans. You know, uh, uh, the the brothers and sisters in South Africa killing Nigerians and Ghanaians and other people coming into South Africa for getting jobs, not not understanding that. The reason why this has happened is because of the South African policies and the government itself, the Caucasians who run stuff, not being able to educate them or, or providing education or making it accessible for them to get these kind of jobs. And so when so when the Ghanaians and particularly Nigerians come who are well equipped, they get these jobs, then there's some backlash. And talking about some xenophobia. They don't damn xenophobia. It's just some ignorance. Ignorance. No. Yeah. And so Absolutely. they're killing these people for Absolutely. these jobs, man. And so uh, man. when you when when you were saying what you were saying, brother Paul, I thought about our whole situation globally. Because if we thought and acted, acted has won, we can control the continent. We can control the the the, the economics. We can control the agricultural, we could control everything. We can be players in the world. We would have to rely on nobody. We would truly be sovereign. We would we could Valtry, truly be a place where we could go. Go ahead. Can I interject, if you don't mind? Bob Ochi? Go ahead. Okay, I, I hear you. Yes, sir. Thank mm-hmm. you, thank you, thank sure. you, thank you. Yes, absolutely. I, the reason why I'm wanting to interject there, because that that is... That is the point. That is the whole. That sums up the whole point. What you just said there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You see, this is the, this is what they've done to us, and it's so painful, Baba Ochi. You see, when you hear this type of underlevel line of xenophobia, you realize how dumbed down a person is. And I'm not trying to not know one because if you don't have, if you can't think globally, if you, because they have done this to us, it's, mm-hmm. it's not natural to think the way we think. I hear people talk. It's they have dumbed us down. To this point and it's come through their education systems or their indoctrination systems one if you if you are of this hue this what i call the in art enhanced melanin hue you have to look yourself in the question in the mirror and ask yourself why the bloody hell are you speaking english right the reason why you're speaking english is because you have been colonized in your mind and even me is i know that but the point is i'm not in denial i'm not in right i'm not in um in, in confusion about it. But when I hear this level of xenophobia, I think, but you're speaking bloody English is what you're speaking. 
So what are you talking about? So mm. your mind has been colonized, okay? So so yes, you think globally because you then recognize that unless you've got a strategy for your survival, you're going to be annihilated. That's and right. Baba Ochi, why yes, say what is. you say is so profound? Yes. Because that's what's happening to us. Mm-hmm. It's happening as we speak every minute of the day. All the talk, all the money we're collecting in the banks. Do you know that just recently, on Sunday, two major banks collapsed in America, right? And there's going to be a domino effect. Let me send a warning to you and everyone in America, because I follow these things uh, 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 meticulously. There's going to be a domino effect, just like we saw in 2018. These banks are going to start crashing. And what's going to happen is when you go to access your money, you're not going to get it. Okay, so what you do now, you better draw out some cash enough for about a month, right? Because they're going to shut down these systems. They want to move these systems over to 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 uh, the the, um, the 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 digital currency. They mm-hmm. want to do right. that because yeah. they're failing. The yeah. systems are failing, right? And the only thing they can do now is go to war. But if they go to war, there's a, probably going to be annihilated. America will be annihilated because I'm just even last week, do you know, a Russian brought a warship full of, I don't know if you're aware of this, full of nuclear weapons down the Atlantic City. Are you aware of that? No. No, I'm not. Listen, this is not a joke. You will not see this in your news. This is what's happening, Baba OG. They're not playing. So what I'm saying to you is that their old ideas of we are on top and we're going to fight, we're going to use right. this. They're ready. He was going to do it. So I'm saying to our people, it's, I'm just saying this. We need a strategy. You have to have a strategy. We don't seem to have strategies. We just seem to have yeah. knee-jerk reactions right. to everything, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Even in terms of our women, our women, they want to be more educated. That's great. But we're not producing enough children. The world is underpopulated. It's not overpopulated. Right. Even in China, they're not right. producing. It's right. underpopulated. It is. But 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 the European but the European has 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 put this out for so many decades that there's right. an overpopulation. It's a strategy. Yeah, it's a strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a strategy he has. Okay, it's a strategy of manipulation. It's a strategy of com- spreading confusion. It's a strategy to put himself out there. Listen, he he talks about the world's overpopulated. It makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you probably won't see this program in America. We got there's a program that comes on every week, right? Where this white couple have twenty four children, right? Twenty four children, and and they they promote. They was in they were living in America the other day. You probably don't get it over there. And they promote them. They put this program on every week. How well these families doing? They got twenty four children and still still having more. And I look at that and I think, look at them. They would never put a black family on to tell you that they got twenty four children. They would tell you how yeah. how they should uh, 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 get some contraceptive. Uh, they're overpopulating the world, but they promote their own. So when you see what they're doing. They give, like you rightfully said, they give us the idea that world's overpopulated. Uh, um, they, they, they push the women into the workplace, tell them you've got to go and get a career, you've got to find your work, but like a you have less children, right? And we are being annihilated. Is mm-hmm. what's happening in Africa? It's happening yeah. in West East Africa. It's happening all over the world, right? I, I go past schools. You don't see one black or white person in there. Ninety-nine percent Asian. I'm saying, how have they done this? How has this been popular? Because they had a strategy. strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like it's just like I say this all the time. I say, you know, uh, when the Moors were in Spain ruling for 700 years uh, in, in, in the western part 
of, of Europe. You know, of course, Europe is not a continent, okay? It's not a continent by anybody's definition, but because of the arrogance of Europeans, they made it a continent, but be that is. Then the western part of Europe, in Spain and Portugal, the Moors were running for 700 years, teaching Europeans this, that, and the other, how to take a damn bath and get them damn animals out the castle, all that kind of stuff. But, but there was a change with Charlemagne and Martel and many others. They decided to flip the script. They kicked the Moors out of Spain. In, in, in fact, 1492 is a serious year. And they kicked the Sephardic Jews out of, out of Europe. And, 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 and they said to themselves, they said, we may war amongst ourselves, and they do. Europeans are the most warlike people in the history of humanity. They are the most bloodthirsty, warring people that there is. They have gone after each other for hundreds of years. We may war amongst ourselves, but we're going to come together on anybody that is outside of us. And so then they began to go around the world, their so-called renaissance. They'd be going around the world and then claiming everybody's stuff in the name of Portugal, Spain, France, England. You know, I mean, they're... They're, they're taking people's stuff became a, a legendary, you know, and and so their whole idea was to dominate and they had a strategy, as just you said, they came together, they plotted this out, it wasn't happenstance, it didn't happen by, you know, uh, some natural select, no, this was planned. This Absolutely. was planned. You know, Absolutely. so I'm going to get some more help, callers in, just hold on Paul, okay? All right, brother. Absolutely. All right. 443, 443, good afternoon. 443, good afternoon. 443, okay. 646, 646, good afternoon. Yeah, what's happening, Ocean? Hey, what's up? What's up, Jake? How you doing, brother? Um, Same old, same old, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. It don't, it don't change. Has as the as the has the cracker has the cracker changed any of the day? Uh, no. Okay. No. So then nothing exactly. is the same. Exactly. Has has the Negro figured out a way to get off his master's tip? Uh no. They still sucking <laughs> okay. on they still so, sucking so, on it big time. So you know what more what more could you what more could you say? You know, yeah. the only thing you can do is keep on moving forward. Mm-hmm. And dealing with your plan, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. You know, I see that um, the cracker playing with the money again, and um, you know, mm-hmm. you got to protect your net. You know, I was listening to um, Tavis Smiley earlier, and they had Julian Manvo on. Okay. And she said, anybody who got more than Two hundred and fifty thousand in the bank. Move it, cause you, you, you don't know what's gonna happen. I had I had to laugh. Mm-hmm. I said, "Lord have mercy." Well, that you show like ain't me. That show, that, uh-huh. show, that, show, that show ain't me. So I ain't worried. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you all. You always. You always. You always gotta gotta be worried unless you know unless you know the game. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean. I always, I always tell tell people that if you go keep that type of money, man, 
make sure you keep it in one of these banks that rule the world. And there's only a couple of them. So maybe you don't have to worry about them going going under. But, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. this Silicon Valley bank, the way that they were doing business, they basically had to go under because they wasn't diversified in their lending practices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of their lending was in the tech industry. So, you know, somebody right. that may have wanted to um, l- l- get some money in other industries, they wasn't giving them. So that's that's really what caused the problem. And, you know, anybody who's dealt with, with tech will tell you, Tech could be a iffy business. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's a it's a hit it's a hit and miss. You have so many companies that hit everybody just like the white man ideology on how he allows all black people to extreme and and do what he do not only to American citizens but around the world because of that delusional fantasy that they have that they're going to get rich. And once they get rich, they're going to be able to do the same shit to other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I learned that game a long, a long time ago. You know, that's one You're breaking up on me, Jay. Because I never forget. Jay. I was Jay, Jay. There. Jay, you're breaking up on me, brother. Yeah. No, I was I was growing up, and my pops had uh-huh. told me how this how this bum white man um he walked past him, and the white man told him, you know, you can look down on me all you want, but remember this: I'm a white man, and my t- situation could change at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. In his and favor, that's the true fact. yeah. In his favor, exactly, and that's why. That's yeah, why. That's why. Listen, Jay. Is- listen, Jay. That's why Caucasians didn't want to talk about redistribution of wealth. They know that this society is crazy when you can have one oh, yeah. person who has billions of dollars at the expense of literally hundreds of thousands of other people. They didn't want redistribution of wealth because why? Individualism, materialism, greed, and violence. They think that any moment I can hit the lottery get a, a, a welfare settlement, I mean, get a, a loss, lawsuit settlement or an inheritance or something like that. And I, too, can be rich. So I don't give a damn about anybody yeah. else and all and uh, how the other parts of society uh, are faring. that's how a lot of them behave. Yeah. That's how a lot of them behave. And, 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 you know, to be honest with you, most white trash have that same type of thinking, but they can't put it together because they ain't got no talent or no skill. That's mm-hmm. like that white trash in Appalachia. That's that white trash in Kentucky. Right. That's that white trash that's always voting against their best interests. Right. Thinking that somebody's going to save their white ass. It mm-hmm. ain't nobody going to save you, cracker. Mm-hmm. You go die poor. You go die with no teeth. 
and you happy with it because you think this white man, the Rand Paul and the Mitch McConnells who just used you, dumbass, is going to be your mm-hmm. savior. Right. Just like the Negro thing, the Democratic Party is going to be our savior. their savior. Yep. It's yep. all a game. Yeah. It's a game that people don't well, learn, listen. number one, how to play or to understand it. So you stay in the, tr- in the trick bag. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Is afford you the luxury of doing certain things. But you know something? If it's not protected, it could leave you in the drop of a dime. And you know how it could leave you in this society in the drop of a dime if you ain't got your business in order? A sickness. Yeah. Well, listen, let me... And let me, what let me... do this country do? They set it up to where as you're always in the end going to get sick so they could bleed the shit out. Yeah. Well, listen, let me let me take another call and get, get Irv on yeah. the line before I... Get up out of here, man, because I got to go. I got a, a doctor's appointment. Yeah, I know. Master, master got you on the tight lead. No, no, no. I got you, you don't want that? No, I got a doctor's appointment. I got a doctor's okay. appointment. I'm serious. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, Brother Irv hung up on me. Brother Irv hung up on me, man. You got to in trash for that money. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> All right. I mean, let me get Brother Paul. Brother Paul. Yeah, yeah, Baba Ochi, you just keep up the good work, man, and keep the fire burning, man, because trust me, we've got a lot of work to do, and uh, we're all doing, you know, we're all doing our part. But it's real, like, like, Brother Jack, it's real out here, and it's getting real out here. Yeah. It's really real. Yes, it and, is. And just a warning to our people, you know, you you got to, although we say we don't worry, it's going to get fiery. You know, yeah. you know, and no one's gonna come. No God's gonna come from the sky and save us. We no. have to. We have to. No. Um, have to, we, we have to maintain dialogue between each other. But and, see, and but see, but see, Paul. Right. If I can get you to believe that, then 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 I can just run game on you twenty four seven three sixty five because you're waiting on Jesus. That's gonna come and, and rescue that's the problem, you. Baba Ochi. You know that that is the problem. They they they've created that fiction and yeah. they've sown that in our minds. So most people are just looking at it as as the end of the world. Oh, this is what they read in the in the basic instruction before leaving England, the Bible, <laughs> and that's it. We all stand, but you know we just gotta keep our heads and keep yeah. strong and keep the faith and keep it moving. I hear you, brother. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thank you. All you brothers Thank and. You. Brothers and sisters who listen, oh, especially man, brother Lusk. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but brother Lusk sent me a piece on the 16th Street Viaduct, the, the civil disturbances of back in the 60s, of which, of course, I partic- I participated in the march across the 16th Street Viaduct or 16th Street Bridge, and was met by rocks and bricks and so forth by those South Side crackers, you know. But um, thanks, brother Lusk. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate all of y'all. Brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. But not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants. Think they can't do it out, and they sure in hell don't want to pay for it. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shim Hotel, 
means go in peace. Esante sana means thank you. Bibi Fahadier. Bibi Fahadier means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. Peace, family.